Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. I love good stories. I love stories that go beyond the obvious. I'm also a Bay Area guy. Obviously, and so uh, a story written by a, a writer named Alex Simon caught my eye. San Jose Mercury News, one of my prior stops, great paper, Bay Area News Group. Andrew Luck retired four years ago, and remember when he retired, Andrew Luck? You know he he'd been all beat up. He was um, he was devastated from several injuries and. And struggling a little bit, it sounded like. And Andrew Luck uh, started to talk about the joy being gone. It's taken my joy of this game away. And uh, this... Sorry. Very emotional, Andrew Luck, as he stepped away from football four years ago. What has he been doing since? Well, Alex Simon visited with him and wrote about it. And he's here to talk about it, joining us uh, from the Bay Area. Alex, thanks for making time, man. Thank you for having me, John. It's an absolute pleasure. Give me an idea. Andrew Luck retires four years ago. He says, i got to get away from football. I need to remove myself from football. Looks like you found what he's doing. Why don't you tell our listeners what he's doing and what brought him back? Yeah, he is actually, uh, one, back in the Bay Area, going to the graduate school at Stanford School of Education. He's pursuing a master's degree. And I would be remiss if I did not give a ton of credit to ESPN Seth Wickersham, who had a phenomenal kind of deep dive talking to Andrew back last December, in which within that story, Andrew talks about wanting to get into coaching at some point, that he wants to teach, he wants to coach. And uh, about a few weeks ago, actually, one of the freelancers who helps us with our high school football coverage, kind of almost just as a note, tossed it into a story that... Uh, at Palo Alto High School, which is the school that I know you know this, John, but for your listeners, it is literally directly across the street from Stanford and Stanford Stadium. You can see the lights on at Stanford Stadium from Palo Alto's high school. Uh, they're, they're right there, and Andrew lives nearby, and I guess he reached out in the earlier in this spring and got together, and he's now helping out twice a week while he's going to school as a football coach. And for the most part, he's doing a little bit of help with the whole team, but he's actually mostly focused on kind of the younger players, the freshmen and the sophomores with the JV team, which I found really, really interesting. He retires at 29. Did he give you any sense of he misses the game or maybe just misses the football part and this is a bridge back for him, or, or what is drawing him back? Yeah, a- Andrew's a really private guy, and even in that ESPN article where he did talk, he, he makes a note of how much he doesn't want to talk. He actually didn't talk to us for that story. Um, He was very polite in declining to talk. But in in kind of being there, you can kind of see how much this guy really exudes positivity. I mean, these are 14 and 15-year-olds that he's on the field with, and everything is uplifting and encouraging. There There wasn't really the type of yelling that you sometimes get associated with coaching. And especially, I mean, the parts to me that stood out really noticeably were kind of almost the acts of service he either did himself or was encouraging the players to do. You know, he's taking pennies that go on the top of helmets to denote the scout team guys, and he's making sure the players have them, even putting them on a few guys. 
he's calling over, you know, the offensive linemen were coming over from a different drill and didn't get time for a water break, and he's asking another player, make sure you bring a couple of water bottles over to get the offensive linemen some water before they get into the next drill so they don't miss this. It, you know, it's somebody that clearly football has meant so much to him, even if, as he said and as the clip you just played, to some extent maybe it broke him for a little bit. But this is a sport he clearly loves, and in doing this he's able to give back to it and maybe give back to it in a better way than football treated him at times. Alex Simon is our guest, San Jose Mercury News. Uh, I'll tweet out a link to the piece, but give me an idea. The kids, how did they respond to him uh, You know, as he's out there on the field? Well, I, I do find it interesting. I talked to one of the JV players who's just a freshman, and I kind of did the mental math in my head that if this kid's a freshman, he's only 15. If you already go back four years, he was only 11 when Andrew retired. That means he's maybe only 10 when Andrew last played in the NFL. And, you know, definitely not of age to even remember him at Stanford, despite being right across the street. But he's obviously a bigger name. I talked with their senior quarterback, who's their second-year starter, Declan Packer, and he mentioned just how much he was kind of like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And then especially he told maybe the funniest anecdote I had, which was that the first day Andrew got there, he had nothing of the playbook. And by the next day he shows up, he has the entire playbook memorized, knows every term that they use for a play, and was basically able to help them through it, basically within, I guess that would be two days, effectively. So that that's just how Andrew is as a football mind, clearly always been highly thought of in that way. And at least at this one high school where he's helping, they clearly feel that way too. I am left looking around the league as the Jets are without a quarterback and, of course, some other teams uh, have less than desirable starters. Do you have any sense, like, a, you know, a guy who retired at 29, you know, he's been out of the game for four years, but, it, you know, is there any thought that this is a bridge back to the NFL or is this clearly just a guy who can afford to live in Palo Alto and knows a lot of football and can slide into that role like nobody else? Uh, this The sense that I got, and again, I will admit, I did not talk to him for this story, but in talking with those who kind of are around there, this is somebody who's at peace with his life now. And the desire to get back on the field did not in any way, shape, or form come through in what I saw. And especially, I mean, going to graduate school at Stanford is not an easy task. I definitely was not able to get into that school myself despite living here uh, for my whole life. So I can't imagine that it's an easy thing for him. And, and look, if you go back and read the one story he's really talked to a reporter for, which is that Wickersham story on ESPN, he makes it pretty clear that, you know, he can find ways to be back in love with football without it needing to be on the field playing himself. Hmm. And I think that's very much the takeaway that, you know, even in just observing for the practice or two that I was able to see, that's really the takeaway I have without actually talking to him myself. Give me an idea, you know, there are a lot of programs in the Bay Area that play at a high level. You can go over to De La Salle. You can find a team that you know won like 80 games in a row. You, you, can, you can get around the Bay Area and find high-quality football, or you can go to Southern California and find better athletes. Palo Alto High School, you got, you know, apologies to the parents and the kids at Palo Alto High School, but you're talking about the kids of, you know, engineering experts and scientists and uh, you know, a bunch of wealthy, affluent kids. Like, it, it, is this just because of proximity and he's starting at the lowest level, kind of low profile, doesn't want to make it about himself, or why Palo Alto? 
I think there's certainly an ease of location. You know, if you're going to grad school at Stanford, Palo Alto is right across the street right there. Um, Palo Alto does have decent connections with Stanford, too. I mean, Jim Harbaugh's kids went there, former uh, 49ers quarterback Steve Bono was a coach at Palo Alto. His son is actually on the team that won a state championship at Palo Alto High School, and he's actually helping coach alongside Andrew right now, Christoph Bono. Um, I, I think that high school is more of a proximity thing than anything. It's right by Stanford. As I understand it, Andrew lives in the neighborhood kind of nearby, so it's it's as easy as it can be for him to ride his bike from home to Stanford to Palo Alto High School and back and do all of this within his schedule that way. Um, it, it is, you know, it is a public school too, which I do find at least somewhat interesting because there is, you know, in the Bay Area, especially all throughout California, a public-private divide that there's at least a little bit of note where maybe he could have gone to some private schools where a lot of, you know, former NFL players will eventually send their kids to. But I find it very interesting just to note that it's Palo Alto, but I think it is location and proximity based more than anything. This story, Alex, you know, you published a story. I have to think it got great run. You know, can you give our listeners an idea of Andrew Luck's impact still in that Stanford community and in the Bay Area? I think he really is beloved here. Um, it's certainly, at least my story on social media, uh, got a lot of interest in Indianapolis, where I think his legacy is a little more complicated. But here in the Bay Area, especially for the Stanford community, he truly was the person who helped elevate Stanford from where it seemed like the ascent under Jim Harbaugh was going, but especially to the standard that Stanford held for quite a while, even after Jim and Andrew both went to the NFL. That you know. Andrew's the quarterback for three seasons. It's the first two with Jim Harbaugh, the second year being the year that they win the Orange Bowl over Virginia Tech, 12-1. and one. If they were, there was a 14 playoff back then, they would have been in that playoff that year, and maybe the next year, too, which is David Shaw's first year. Um, so he helps make the transition to David Shaw and just was an absolute elite quarterback who set the standard that Stanford was able to maintain for the better part of the entire 2010s until the very end. So he's highly thought of. He's actually going into Stanford's Hall of Fame in two weekends, I believe. When they play Oregon, he'll be a part of their 10-person Hall of Fame class. So uh, Stanford thinks the world of him, and I think this place maybe feels like home to him to the point that he's happy to be back at school and living in the area. He talked when he retired about being stuck in a cycle. I want our listeners to hear this. I've been stuck in this process. I haven't been able to live the life I want to live. And after 2016, where I played in pain and was unable to regularly practice, I made a vow to myself that I would not go down that path again. I find myself in a similar situation, and the only way forward is to remove myself from football in this cycle. He removes himself from the cycle. He went on to say that it was sad, but it was clear what he needed to do. And it's sad, but I also have a lot of clarity in this. Uh, it's been a difficult process. Uh, but my wife, my family, my friends, Mr. Ballard, Mr. Ursay, the Ursay family, and Frank Reich have been incredibly helpful, supportive, and I'm so grateful for them. Do you, do you ever think, Alex, about what happens to Andrew Luck if he does what a lot of other players do and just goes, hey, this is what I'm supposed to do, I guess I'll do it? You know, it didn't look like it was headed in a positive direction for him as an athlete. Yeah, it's just really tough. He, he will always, I think, fall into the what-if category of injury-based more than anything. Because really his decision to retire 
for as much as some people feel as if he, you know, and certainly I saw this in my mentions from Indianapolis, that people feel like he quit on the Colts and he quit on them. Like, his ankle wasn't going to be ready to play that season. And he really, you know, he came back for what was a pretty incredible 2018 season, led them back to the playoffs. But he clearly had been dealing with so much health stuff that you just kind of wonder what if that had never happened? Could he have been, you know, truly the Peyton Manning part two that he was set to be when he got there and looked like at the start? You know, for as much as we give a lot of rookie quarterbacks here credit when they do okay, a lot of rookies like Trevor Lawrence and whatnot have struggled in year one and year two. Andrew made the playoffs that very first year. It's a rarity to see that level of confidence from a rookie right out of the gate, and he sustained it until his body broke down on him. So I think the bigger what if isn't the retirement. It's more what if he had stayed healthy the whole way. And it, it's hard not to imagine that he'd be a pro football Hall of Famer because he's pretty close even with the career he already had. I keep thinking about you know where he's going with this. Do you get the sense this is just him dabbling – getting a taste of what he loves while he, you know, finishes the school that he's trying to finish? Or do you think Andrew Luck ends up coaching, the head coach at Stanford someday? Like, is is he thinking about that, or is that on the table for him? It's really tough for me to know. I I think when you look at what he said and kind of how he's approached life, um, as I apologize, as a fire truck driving right back to but uh, I think the way that makes a lot more sense to me, and especially if he's getting a master's in the School of Education at Stanford, is something like he's going to go be a high school teacher, maybe teach like history or something since he's kind of thought to be fascinated with it, and continue to just kind of coach at the high school level in a way that he can kind of set his own determined path with it. If he decides he wants to kind of go up to high school varsity head coach, you know, Philip Rivers is obviously doing that in Alabama. There's other quarterbacks who have done it, but he seems somebody you know, based off of what you've read when he has talked, that is a lot more at peace with the life that he has now than he has in a long time. I don't imagine getting back into the daily grind of football in a head coaching role at the college level, even at the high school level to some extent, is is in the near future for Andrew. Maybe the far future, but certainly not anytime soon. Alex Simon with us. Uh, You look, you are a uh, Arizona State Cronkite School graduate, you're working in the Bay Area now. What do you make of the Pac-12 implosion? Uh, can you wrap your head around it? it uh, honestly, I can't. I mean, I, I'm a Bay Area native, grew up here. I remember how big it was kind of on the peninsula back in 2011 when Stanford had game day for the first time ahead of Oregon and some of those massive Stanford-Oregon matchups from the late 2000s and early 2010s. It's kind of mind-boggling. I also went to school in North Carolina at Elon College, now Elon University, which is a small school there, but I got to see the passion of the ACC. So there is a part of me that thinks, hey, the ACC is a great college home. I just don't think it's the right home for Stanford or Cal. I just don't imagine that you know playing games in College Park, Maryland, is what kids that go to Oregon or UCLA are signing up for. And it, it just saddens me because as somebody who – was staying up till 2.30 in the morning when Cal and Washington State were shooting out to 68, 68, 70, 68 back in the day. You know, it, it really pains me to see that we're going to lose something that has such a strong regional identity here that, you know, maybe people on other sides of the country and other parts of the country don't care as much. 
but the people who do care here care deeply and it really does like it's it's going to be kind of a weird full year of Pac-12 sports in that way alex i really appreciate your time great work on the story before i let you go how gratifying was it for you being a bay area guy to tell this story and to be near it I've just had an absolute delight, and, and especially because of the fact that this is a high school sports story. I think the best stories that we can tell in this industry oftentimes are in high school sports, and especially because in the Bay Area, you know, everybody would associate the passion for high school sports all across the country in places like Texas or Ohio or Georgia. But even in a place like the Bay Area, there is a lot of passion for it, and there's a lot of interest and a lot of attention that people would pay. So to be able to kind of tell a really unique story that's brought up a lot of attention, and especially as well, you know, just today I was able to have a story about the emergence of girls' flag football, which is now a massive thing starting up in California. So it, it's been an absolute delight for me to be able to help Bay Area News Group and the San Jose Mercury News with their high school sports coverage in every way possible. Alex Simon from the Mercury News. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate it. All right, coming up, my final thoughts on the Pac-12 games of the weekend my final answers, I'll lock them in. I'll tell you the scores. I'll tell you who wins. I think one Pac-12 team loses this weekend. Which is it? I'll explain next. Well, I'd like to thank Colorado State coach Jay Norvell for providing America the fodder for the week. <laughs> he was the guy who provided the fodder, uh, no doubt. I uh, want to give my picks for the weekend, my final answers. I want to lock them in. Judah Newby. You can say agree or disagree. Tell me why. I'll give my pick. You say whether you're on board with it or not, or maybe you don't care. Because some of these games I do think have a don't care element. Like Weber State is at Utah in the first Pac-12 game tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. That one's on the Pac-12 network. Uh, Kyle Whittingham, who's he going to play? Is Cam Rising going to get any steps? Uh, As of midweek, it was Nate Johnson as the starter. A lot of people wondering if Rising will get in uniform. But uh, there's no line on this game because Weber State. And I have Utah winning 42-14 just because Utah's not the kind of program to try to put 60 or 70 or 80 on somebody, although they did score 66 against Southern Utah. 42-14. Agree, disagree, or indifferent? Yeah, right on the money, I think. I'm with you on on rising. My only question is, does Damian Lillard show up for this game? You know, that's the only uh, wrinkle. Uh, And then next week, because that week week four slate is super tasty. You got Utah UCLA at Rice Eccles. So um, all these week three games kind of are wetting the appetite a little bit for week four, but that Utah UCLA game is going to, that's not going to sneak up on anybody either. That's, that's a good game. Oregon State home in the second game of the day. Nice and early game. 12 30 kickoff on FS1. Will FS1 have a broadcast crew <laughs> in house? Probably not. Uh, but I'll be in-house for San Diego State at Oregon State. Uh, Beavers have covered the spread nine straight times. It's huge. Nine straight times. They're at home. They're 13-2 and two against the spread in their last 15. I pay attention to such things. I also pay attention when uh, teams play. And San Diego State was really disappointing in a 35-10 loss to UCLA. There's a real chance that Oregon State will shut out San Diego State tomorrow. There's a real chance of this. It could be a lower-scoring game where Oregon State wins like 31 nothing. It could be 35-7. But I have it at 
because I think Jonathan Smith will play some guys, given that it's week three and he doesn't need the shutout. Oregon State is a 24-and-a-half-point uh, favorite, and they're going to cover that. 42-14 is the final. That That's your Utah-Weber score? No, no. Or no? No, no. Utah, we, yeah, same score, 42-14. Okay, yeah. Yep. I've got 45-7. I'm, I'm right with you. Okay. I, I'm, I'm wondering if that shutout's coming to, to that point, but... Uh, at the same, do you think Aiden Childs plays for a third straight game? Yes, I think he plays probably the whole fourth quarter. If I'm Jonathan Smith, I I want the win, but more importantly, I want healthy players going into Week Four at Washington State, and I don't want to. I just don't want a bunch of guys banged up. I don't want to go into conference play that way. And it's it's the only thing that tells me that it's not going to be a completely dominating performance. But San Diego State, not good up front. I think Oregon State will run, 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 and I don't think it'll be hard for them to score. By the way, Petros is on the call here, so you'll either see him or No, he's be... not going to be there. <laughs> oh, there you go. He's doing two... See, this is how you know Petros is not going to be there. And I love Petros. This is not his fault. But FS1 has him calling two games tomorrow. Oh, yeah, he's got ASU Fresno. <laughs> yeah. So unless Petros is going to be in Corvallis at 1230, and then... Uh, bussing over to, you know, the Corvallis Airport, and then flying to Arizona. That's pretty much what Dillingham did. 7.30 game on FS1. Hardest working man in show business. Uh, I just, uh, I think uh, it'll uh, it'll be a long day for San Diego State and a long day for Petros. Let's be real. Um, let's go to the next game. Game number three. Uh, is the Idaho at Cal game. This one's dicey. 1 p.m. Saturday, Pac-12 Bay Area. Idaho's pretty good. They beat an FBS team 33-6. They beat Nevada last week. They're 2-0, the Vandals are, for the first time in 25 years, and they're ranked 10 in the FCS coaches poll. Now, we interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Baltimore. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.